how she created her own dream job within the company that she already worked for, the importance of listening to your heart and your passion, how the worst case scenario actually isn't usually as bad as we think, how she built a health and fitness program for a massive corporation, how to prioritize time for your health and fitness when there is seemingly none of it, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 498 with Chief Possibilities Officer and owner of Seven Studios and Global Wellbeing Senior Manager at Accenture, Julie Wilkes. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals who are hungry for growth get closer to the best version of themselves so that they can live meaningful and impactful lives. Are you somebody who really wants to improve your health, but you're overwhelmed with all that life is throwing at you? Are you somebody who knows they want to feel better in their own skin and you want to be more confident in your own body? If so, then you need to go get access to my brand new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle. You're going to get a grocery list, a week's worth of workouts, and a list of healthy snacks and sweets to choose from. You can get all of that for absolutely free today by going to nickcarrier.com. Y'all, today I am so excited for you to meet Julie Wilkes. Julie is the Chief Possibilities Officer and owner of Seven Studios and Global Wellbeing Senior Manager at Accenture. And today you're going to absolutely love hearing Julie's story. At 22, she started at Accenture as a consultant, but then she found a way to create her own career path within that company that had never been done before. She talks about how she did it, about how to prioritize health and fitness, and a lot more. Julie is going to get you fired up, baby. So without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Julie Wilkes. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I am super stoked to be joined by the one and only Julie Wilkes. Julie, just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Oh, thanks so much, Nick. It's so great to be here, and I can't wait to share a little bit of inspiration with all those who are listening. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, uh, as we had just discussed, I was connected to you through Roy Hall, and Roy Hall had me wanting to run through a brick wall by the end of the interview with him, and I know everybody else felt the same way, and so I was pumped when he had uh, an awesome recommendation as well. So I'm really excited to get into a number of things today, but I want to kind of jump into the early part of your career, and actually one of the things I have not told you is my sister actually works for Accenture. She's been working for Accenture for a handful of months now, and basically back in 1998, you started with Accenture as a going to be a consultant, but then pretty early on, it seemed like you realized that there was a big problem with a lot of people within the company, that people were not maybe prioritizing their health, and they were having different problems, and you were like, there's a void here that I want to be able to fill, and I want to be able to help people with their health, and it seems like you maybe did that for a little bit for a while, but maybe didn't start doing that full full time until a number of years later. So I want you to kind of talk to everybody about that kind of early on realization of there was this void that you wanted to fill and how you went about attempting to fill that and how it transitioned to your full time kind of role a number of years later. Absolutely. Well, I, I feel that each one of us have gifts. Each one of us have passions that we're meant to realize along our journey. And, and they're not all obvious right away throughout our career, without, throughout our life. And through experiences, we start to tap into them. 
And it was when I began my professional career around the age of 22, where I started to work for this wonderful company named Accenture. And I I received my dream job at 22, where I was going to be a a business consultant and go around the world and, and help clients to be more successful. And I could not have been more joyful and grateful about this. Uh, my undergraduate degree was in international business, and my hope was that I could just travel the world, meet tons of people, you know, learn really cool things and help people to do whatever they do a lot better. And that's how I started off. And so that was a great opportunity for me. Uh, however, what I found was along the way, I kept having this tug at my heart to really focus on the world of health and wellness. But that wasn't exactly where my career path looked like it was aligned. And the trajectory told me, keep going towards this, you know, business consulting side. But my heart kept telling me, you know, connect back in with that thing that gives you passion and that gets you out of bed every day and that you would spend time doing no matter if you got paid or not. And so I started to ask myself, how could I take that that thing that was tapping into my heart and bring it to life in the space that I was in? And I think for those of you out there listening, who maybe you're not in your dream job today and you have got this thing in your heart, but you don't know how to get from where you are to that thing that makes you come alive. It doesn't mean you need to quit your day job today. It doesn't mean that you need to change everything, but it means that you need to figure out how to take that thing and bring it into what you do. And, and maybe it's small pieces. So at first, I just wanted to see if I could impact Accenture uh, in the world of health and well-being because I saw that we had this beautiful culture of people that were passionate and smart and driven, and they all wanted to be successful. But that also meant that we had this beautiful grouping of people who perhaps were spending so much time focusing on being successful that they had put their health and their well-being to the back. And so I thought that there was a real need here, a real niche that I could fulfill by helping them become more productive and do more of what they do well, but also be able to spend time in doing those other things. So I set off to do just that. And I will tell you that back, you know, 2002, a long time ago, I created a proposal saying, I'd like to bring this well-being concept into Accenture. And, you know, I took it to, I always say ignorance was bliss at the time is now, you know, 25 years later with the company, I'm still with Accenture and I still am working in the area of well-being. So the spoiler alert right there. But what I can tell you is at first, you know, I, today I would know that I needed to go to 10 layers of, of leadership before I get that approval. But back then I was pretty new into the company and I had all these dreams and I went straight to the top and I asked the CEO if we could do this. And the CEO didn't say no. The The CEO said, it's interesting. Um, and, but I don't know that if you're qualified to do it. So what I heard was, if you get qualified, if you can tell me how you're qualified, I might give you a chance. And that's all I needed. Went back to school, got my master's degree in an area of exercise physiology, workforce wellness, did some interns uh, with different workforce groups, came back into Accenture and said, I'd really like to start this for you. And Accenture said, okay, but we don't have the exact opportunity to, to create a budget for this right now. But if you want to come back and work with us, uh, and you can do this as sort of your plus one. And that's what we call kind of those per passion projects. So I created a plus one over six years of developing health and well-being for about 70,000 employees across North America. And about six years into it, the programs were so successful. And what we I meant by success is like so much following, so much interest, so many people really were wanting this and following my blogs and following my uh, newsletters and, and wanting to participate in my webcast and so forth, that Accenture allowed it to become the first of its kind of a formal role in well-being. So, yep, that's where it began. Started about 2010. I was able to officially launch my career as the first well-being 
uh, role at Accenture. And over the past 13 years or so, I've been able to grow from U.S., North America to a global footprint, seeing how we do things for 700,000 employees. And today I work within our global well-being team to impact all of our employees and their families worldwide. Man, that is freaking kick ass. That is so inspiring that there was nothing of its kind. And you're this young girl, young woman working for Accenture, and you had the guts and the courage to go and to the very top of the ladder of the CEO and mention something like this. I think my I think my first question to you is this when you decided that you wanted to when you when you heard the CEO say not say no, and you heard that as if you get qualified, there actually might be an opportunity to do this. Did you stay with Accenture when you went and got your master's degree or did you leave and go get your master's degree? Tell me a little bit about that kind of timeline. Yeah. So this is the cool story. I truly believe that when you start to put yourself in motion of what your gifts and your goals and your dreams are, the universe, will, whatever you believe in, God, the universe, the energy of the world will lay the groundwork for you to be able to make it happen. And so mm -hmm. I just decided that this is what I was going to go do. And so all of a sudden, the very next day, I, you know, I interviewed to get into a program at Ohio State University. Uh, I ended up taking a test that allowed me to score at such a high level that it guaranteed me an interview with the school. I went in and interviewed with the school and the, they said they had one scholarship left to give and they had about 10 people that they were going to interview. I was not at the top of their list. And when I interviewed, I, the professor kind of had his hand on his head and said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to give it to you. Your passion, your commitment, your desire, it's just different. It's unique. I'm into it. I want to help you. And so that part was really cool. So I go back to my my desk that day after I had these interviews. And sure enough, Accenture launches an opportunity for people to elect to go take two years off with portion pay and keep their laptop and benefits in return. And it was one of the most amazing things. I literally sat down, just got the opportunity from Ohio State for a full scholarship for my grad school to go back and do this thing, come back. And Accenture says, we are offering people the opportunity to self-elect to take these two years off. And I signed up, got it right away, and it worked. It, it was amazing. And so I truly believe that when you're listening to your heart, and, and I can tell you, I was scared. I was scared when I first started doing this. I was like, what am I doing? I wish I just was in love with the trajectory of where I could go you know, in my current career path, because I can make a lot of money, I can follow this, the, the, you know, what other people do become an executive and, and, and live a great life and not worry about it. But I just kept thinking that I would not be fulfilled. And I needed to listen to what that was inside myself that kept telling me and it kept getting louder, the more I ignored it and kept getting louder. And so when I started to listen to it, all of a sudden, these unexplainable doors open that may have always existed, but I would have never seen them had I not listened. And so yes, I ended up taking two years off, was still considered an employee, though, and then return back. And that's when I pitched again to start the well-being. They said, come back into an HR role and you could do this as your plus one. So it, you know, when people say, well, what was your path? I want to follow your path. My path was this unpredictable, incredibly powerful, but really unique path that I ne wouldn't necessarily recommend for anyone. But I will tell you that when you start listening to your heart, the doors will open, the path will reveal itself. And if you're just listening, even if it doesn't go the way you planned, it will go the way it's meant to be. And you will follow that. You know, even if it doesn't go the way you thought, you will be joyful because you're doing the things that make your soul and your heart come alive. Mm. Man, that's, that's so well said, so powerful. I truly believe that as well. When you start to walk down the path that you were meant to walk down, God or the universe, whatever you believe, starts to conspire in your, in your, uh, to your benefit and open doors, like you said, that's, that's amazing. So you come back to Accenture a couple years later 
after having the technical and educational credibility. And you're still probably in your mid-20s when you're doing this. And I'm sure the education and all of that gave you a lot of confidence around what you were putting in, starting to put in place in Accenture. But when you start to do that in a corporate setting, when there's a ton of employees, when there's a lot of people older than you, I'm sure it can be nerve-wracking and scary for those other reasons. So talk to me a little bit about how you didn't let that hold you back from building the program that you have built. I think it's such a great question. And I actually, as I was reflecting upon uh, our conversation today, I had a realization about this, um, that as I've gotten older, I realized how much life will sometimes cause you to blocks up and guards up and excuses why, oh, maybe that wouldn't work. When I think about today, I'm actually jealous of that 25, 26 year old girl because I didn't understand limits. I didn't know that there were any. I didn't actually understand how extraordinary what I was doing at the time was. I didn't have that depth or, or knowledge. I actually didn't know where it was going to go. All I knew was that I believed in this and somehow it had been planted in my heart to do it. And however it would turn out, was going to be okay. And now today, you know, 25 years later, I, I look towards being more like that girl again, because I find that as you get older, sometimes, you know, you have more responsibilities. All of a sudden you start making money. So you have more bills and you have more things and you potentially can lose sight of that playful part of yourself that says, it's okay, whatever happens, as long as I'm following this, this is, this is my gift. This is what I know I'm going to be really good at. And the doors are going to open. In fact, so many times I give people advice. I hear so many people picking these, these jobs that pay a lot of money. Well, I want to be a this or this or this because it's going to pay me a lot of money. And I say, pick the thing that you would do for free and then figure out how to get paid for it. Because even if it's your dream job, there's going to be hard days. And if it's especially not your dream job and you did it for the money, those hard days are going to really stink. And that's when you start to get burned out and you're not going to stay. You pick the thing that makes your soul come alive. And so when I look back at, at my life then, I don't think I realized the depth of what could be. I just knew I was following my heart. And I did have people all along the way. I still remember one particular conversation where somebody told me that I was writing my pink slip, that if I chose to stay on this path, that it would be a pink slip for me, otherwise known as, you know, I, I'd probably be the first to get let, let go when it was time to let go of people because people just wouldn't be able to understand the value of it. So mm -hmm. my effort was just to continue to understand my leader's priorities and to continue to speak value to them. And so I, I, I can't say that I knew all the things at the time. I just knew that whatever I did, my intentions were pure that I really wanted to change a culture that was really focused on high delivery into a culture focused on helping people to take care of themselves to ensure high delivery in all aspects of their life. And I, and it's not just me that's done this at Accenture. I, I certainly don't think one person is capable of that, but I believe that it's been a part of the fabric that we've really seen some incredible shifts. Our leadership has done such incredible things in this space, but I would say that but based in the 25 years I've been here, our culture is a very different space today. We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share some words from a participant of the 10-week transformation. At Best U, we started running the 10WT back in January of 2020 and have since had 313 people and counting go through it. They've seen their bodies get stronger than ever before. They've seen the stubborn fat finally come off and they've seen their habits 
dramatically improve. And honestly, more than anything, they've seen their self-confidence skyrocket. If you want to learn more about the 10-week transformation, then you can go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. That's nickcarrier.com slash the number 10WT. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first, here's what they had to say. Hi. I'm Lindsay, and I recently finished two rounds of the 10-week transformation, and I initially started because after I had kids, I continued to work out a couple of times a week, but I was pretty inconsistent, and I knew that I needed just new habits. I needed to regroup and form some long-lasting habits that I could carry long-term. Once I started, I just... I was nervous about the 5 a.m. workouts, but I did it anyway, and I'm so glad that I did, because I think that you can really surprise yourself with what you're capable of doing. So I jumped right in, and the workouts are challenging, obviously, which is great, but honestly, the accountability is huge. You not only have Nick holding you accountable, but you have a whole group of amazing people who are trying to achieve their goals alongside of you, and they're checking in with you and supporting you and encouraging you the whole time. And that is huge. And it's something that was so important to me. And I didn't realize that that was going to be so important to me until I had it. And that's really the cool thing. So after I finished my first 10 weeks, there was significant improvement. And so that meant almost more to me than the weight loss, which I also had. But just seeing how much stronger I got really, I mean, just gave me so much confidence. So much that I wanted to do another round. What I would say to someone who's maybe thinking about doing it is just, first of all, A, do it, but don't let any fears hold you back. If you're nervous about the workouts, if you're nervous about waking up early like I was, give it a try and I think you're gonna surprise yourself and I think you're gonna be that much more proud of yourself once you try it and see that you can do it and see how capable you are of doing things. And um, just do it, it's awesome. I wanna get into the prog- the some of the specific maybe principles in the program that had led it to be so successful in, here in a moment, but I really believe that if you're passionate enough about something, then maybe the risks or the downsides don't make as much noise in your brain. Like, I feel like you were so passionate about it and you just didn't see it as a risky move. You didn't see it as a potential pink slip. You were just like, I know what I want to do and I know the value that it can provide. So you were almost like blinded to the potential downfalls or the potential negative parts of it. Absolutely. You know what I think? Uh, I'd say that I'm somebody who takes calculated risks. And so some people might say that, that that's not a risk at all if you've calculated it. But I know what I'm willing to lose. And I know that, I, so I never want to put myself into a place where I am so, so low that I can't pull myself back up. You know, I can't lose everything and, you know, but I'm willing to take some risks in order to say, even if this doesn't go okay, I know that I've got value. I know that I've got skills. I know that this is going to be in demand. And I know that there's five other places that would value this today, that if this isn't the way it's going to go, I'm going to be okay. So I think that oftentimes if somebody's ever been kind of stuck and afraid, they might be living in a mindset of scarcity where they're worried that it's, you know, whatever's going to happen, they're going to be put in a bad place and they won't be able to come out of it. And I believe that uh, as I've looked at, you know, the risk, there's very few things in our world that even if we fall apart, even if we lose everything, 
there's always an opportunity to take one step forward and lift ourselves back up. And I will tell you that I have had a few times in my career that I have lost a lot. I've, ma- I've taken a, a risk. It didn't work out. I lost a lot of things. But that is what actually pr- allowed me to propel myself even further forward later because of that knowledge and that, that learning. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel as if, you know, the, the risks there weren't risks for me. The risk was not following my passion. Right. That was the bigger risk. If I if I died and hadn't listened to my passion, that would have been a tragic life, in my opinion. Uh, but if I lived a, a life and I never truly found success with well-being, but I kept trying and I believed in it and I knew that this was something that people needed. And, I, and then I would have been a satisfied soul no matter what. And I truly believe that's that that is the, the truth of each one of us is that thing that's in our heart. If we listen to it, it will guide us where we're meant to go. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I think one of the things that you pointed out that can be super practical for a lot of people who are feeling a sense of I need to do something different or I need to change paths to a certain extent. You identified that oftentimes if we can, if we actually think about what the worst case scenario is, it's not nearly as bad as we're kind of making it up to be in the back of our mind. So I think that's one really practical thing that a lot of people can take away. And then one of the things I wanted to acknowledge that you just brought up in the very beginning is if you feel like you're not on the right path right now, don't feel like you have to do a complete 180 and go to a completely different job in a completely different industry. Maybe you can just get creative in the industry that you're in and pivot your role a little bit. And like you did such a beautiful job of opening up your own door to a certain extent by just asking for a door to be placed in front of you. And so that's really cool. But I want to, I kind of want to transition into some of the, like the health program itself. You know, it's one of oftentimes so many people's biggest obstacles to value enough the importance of prioritizing their time for health and fitness. I'm a fitness trainer myself, and oftentimes people place their careers and other things like that, maybe their their kids, other relationships, they prioritize the time with that stuff over doing any time with health and fitness. And I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things with getting people to really buy into a program when they're a part of maybe Accenture. So talk about overcoming that obstacle and how maybe your program open people's eyes to the importance of prioritizing time with health and fitness. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think time, time is our most valuable resource that none of us have enough of. And, and, but we all have the same amount of time in our day. We all have to choose our time. And yes, there are going to be times in our lives where we have to work more. Maybe we're trying to build our career and we need to put everything in so that we can get to this level. Or maybe we have a child and we, you know, new parents, 24-7 job for a while, right? Until they figure out their ebb and flow. So there are going to be times where it's just a real big challenge. But what I would say is, you know, if you think about if, if I told you, if you spent 15 to 20 minutes a day doing one thing and it wasn't going to be super hard and it wasn't going to cost you a, a lot of money but it would make you better at work. It would make you sleep better. It would make you feel better. It would keep you healthier longer. It would allow you to be a kinder human. It would be allow you to love yourself more. All in like 10 to you know, 20, 15, 20 minutes a day, would you do it? Of course, most people would say, yeah, of course they would. Well, that's, that's the way I look at it is. And so we have to learn to speak someone's language in terms of translating into why if they stop to take care of themselves, how will that translate into the value that they need in their life? Because maybe right now, a lot of people who are on that corporate ladder, maybe what they just see is I just need success. I just want money. I just want power. I just want success. I just want to do well at my job. And if I take 20 minutes out of my day, 30 minutes out of my day, I'm going to, that, that may be 20 minutes. I could have been successful at my job. 
So we have to be able to translate their actions into how it's going to help them to be better. And so I like to bring a lot of science and evidence-based materials into that kind of environment to say, you know, studies tell us time and time and time again, uh, the, the most successful people are the ones who have these kind of habits. The most successful people, the ones are the ones that you're trying to be like. These people get up at 4 a.m. These people do this. These people work out for 30 minutes. These people have a mindfulness practice 10 minutes every day, whatever it is, but really trying to connect into what it is that that person is imagining for themselves that they want and connecting back to that commitment of taking care of their body will help them to achieve it and showing them the evidence, showing them the data, showing them and asking. And then if if I get them to buy into that, if, if they start to 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 work out or try the mindfulness or whatever it is that we're trying for then we have to have a measure right away. They have to be able to sense and hit that part of their brain that says, I just did this and I actually feel a little bit better or I slept better or I was better at work today. And to relate back to that improvements back into those decisions to take care of themselves. So I think it's it's very much about learning to speak the language of what that human being needs in order to feel successful and then allowing for those short-term wins to be realized and felt by the time they took taking care of themselves. Mm, That's so good. That's so good Uh think about, and it can be really an individual by individual basis, right? Some people are going to really care about making more money. Some people have just had a kid and they really want to be uh, the best father or mother. Some people are just trying to sleep better. Some people are trying to be better in their relationship with their significant other. And so if you can point out and tie, have a direct tie between how prioritizing maybe a little bit of movement for 15 to 20 minutes is going to give them those improvements and making more money, improving in the relationship, improving as a mother or father and making more money, then that can be the thing that they need to help motivate them to actually prioritize the time. I think that was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that people oftentimes feel like I don't have time to go work out. But what they don't realize that if they did, and at first it may be uncomfortable that everything else they do will be done more efficiently and, and more effectively. And they actually can spend less time because they're going to make less errors. They're going to be more present. They're going to be more, you know, whatever they want to be when they show up with their body fully working, fully functioning, fully present, you know, feeling good. And um, but it takes a little bit of proof, like, you know, give me a couple of weeks. And if you don't if you don't feel anything different, then go back to your other ways. Right. But let's just see if we can we can figure out that you putting in that time. Do you feel better? And let's acknowledge that and see if it makes you want to do more of it. But I do think it's really important that people understand that our life is just accumulation of our habits. And the more that you've done something, the bigger that loop is in the brain and the harder it is to replace it with a different loop. And so when you replace a new habit, you're creating this loop over and you have to repeat it over and over again. The only way that our brain really wants to repeat something is if we enjoyed it or we saw value in it or we saw a reward in it. We have to hit that part of the brain that says, my human is doing this new thing and hey, I feel amazing or something good really is happening because if you're going to now go do something and you're like, I can't stand this, there's nothing good, I'm more tired, I'm not doing well, there's no reason the brain is going to say, let's keep doing it, right? And so really finding that way to to allow that human being to connect in with, wow, just by doing those small things, I am better in every single aspect of my life right now. Mm, I think that's so important, like you said, to point it out because so many people might not tie the improvements from the value that they're trying to get to the fact that they're actually prioritizing their health and fitness. Like I have a client right now who's uh, a mortgage broker. And so if he sells a, if he sells an extra house, then 
now that he's prioritizing health and fitness and maybe he sold the extra house because he showed up that day and he was super energetic and he was really good with his clients. And if I make that recognition to him, like, hey, you might have made that sale because now you're really prioritizing your health and fitness. You have a little bit more confidence when you step into the room. You have a little bit more energy when you're interacting with people. Then the light bulb goes off and be like, oh my gosh, yes, this is giving me the short, the benefit and that, uh, that result that I'm really seeking. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. So talk to me a little bit, about, a little bit more, maybe one other thing that you've done and you've built inside of the corporate program that has allowed people to really be engaged with it. Because I feel like that's kind of one of the overarching themes that you said, like it's been really successful because people have been engaged and they've been wanting to do certain things and they've prioritized the time would have kept people more engaged with it. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's funny is there are so many things, you know, it, we went from pretty simple program to pretty complex, um, but still hopefully translates into simple to the, the employees who receive it. But the thing I think about is, you know, 700,000 employees worldwide, that's pretty, pretty significant number of people. My goal has always been to create programs that are scalable to reach that many people and their families, but feel as if it was, you know, um, community-based, connected, team-based, very, very personable. feel like you're one of, you know, just a small team who's receiving it. So we really like that personal touch. So I often will go live. I will do my, the, I'll do workouts with the, today I did actually work out with the entire um, employee base live. Um, we do um, lots of things that allow us to be human beings with each other. So learning about new ways, um, I, I do kind of a nutrition segment where I teach people five minute hacks in their kitchen to make something healthy right now, instead of grabbing that bag of chips or ordering a DoorDash or something. And so really, I think making things real life, applicable, um, easy and personable, and always remembering that there's people behind the computer screen, right? Like we, we may not see each other. Our company is widely virtual. So we very rarely see each other on the same rooms. Well, obviously 700,000 people are not going to receive each other all in the same room, but we're widely virtual. And so it really takes this sense of, of belonging to create a connection with people. And so I think the vulnerability of uh, implementing consistent programs, consistent programming, unique programming, um, you know, it's not just workouts. It's not just nutrition. It's not just mindfulness. We also partner with a lot of really, really incredible universities that have top-notch top research, and we bring the research to our people in the form of programs and offerings to teach them about themselves. And what we really try to do is bring research that is new. It's not like you know you expect eat your combination of proteins, carbs, and fats, get 150 minutes of exercise a week, you know, meditate for 10 minutes a day. The things that you might normally here, but we really try to bring new science, partnering with like uh, um, the the neuropsychologists, the, 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 the different people who are out there really doing some in, in interesting and unique things. And I think that our people really appreciate that because we're too, I think when you teach somebody something about themselves that they didn't know, and it sort of becomes this nugget of like, wow, that's cool. And I totally dig that and connect with that. And I want to tap into that and learn about that more. You give them this big gift. And so I think that that's really, in my opinion, some of the secrets to how we've, it's not just this checklist of, yes, we can track our steps. Yes, we talk about food. Yes, we do this. It's really like, how do we create this sense of community 
where everybody really is on the same page with wanting to take care of ourselves. It might be in slightly different ways based on who we are, what we've got going on in our lives, but we all are struggling to take care of ourselves and still very interested in wanting to take care of ourselves all at the same time. Yeah. No, a few things that you that you said there. I feel like, like you said before, the making it feel personal, you hopping on live and making it feel like it's not just a program that's for thousands of employees, but for a program that's for a, for a smaller group of community and then building that community and making people feel like they're a part of something. And then I think that last part was really good as well, bringing some newness and freshness because the other things that you said, the things that are very kind of general, while they're great, if they're just stale and they're old, then people aren't going to have any kind of rejuvenation behind it and they're not going to get super excited about it. But if you're bringing new stuff in, then people will get excited about it. Not only will they get excited about it, but like you said, everybody has different areas of interest when it comes to their health and when it comes to their performance and stuff like that. And so somebody who might be not really all that into nutrition and hacks in the kitchen might be really into neural neural psychology and things of that nature. And so it really can touch a lot of different types of personalities and engage a lot of different interests. Yeah, absolutely. That's massive. That's massive. Well, Julie, this has been unbelievable. Uh, I think that you said so many things here today from both your own personal career standpoint and finding ways to open up your own door and then taking the leap of faith. And the fact that when you take a leap of faith and go down the path that you're meant to go down, the universe and God just configures and conspires in your in your favors. There's so many so many great things. But before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge you for taking that jump yourself to go to the CEO first off and then go apply at Ohio State and then come back and lay the groundworks for this program that has now just blossomed and grown to this massive thing that it is today. It's just super cool to hear you have the courage and boldness at a young age to be able to build what you've built today. Well, thank you. Yep. And uh, I feel like I could learn a lot from that 26-year-old self. And uh, as we get older, we sometimes forget that way. And it's really good to always reflect back on, wow, you know, what a what a wild and precious journey this has been. And the best is still yet to come. I love it. I love it. No doubt about that. Um, so you guys need to make sure you go follow Julie on Instagram at yoga on the go. If you don't, and we didn't really even have too much time to get into the fact that she owns her uh, own company called seven studios as well, where they do yoga, Pilates, fitness and stuff like that. So you guys can go follow her and learn more about that at her Instagram at yoga on the go. You can go find her website at juliewilkes.com. She's also a motivational speaker. As you can hear today, she probably fired you up during a lot of what she talked about. So if you guys are interested in finding a speaker for your event, your seminar, anything like that workshop, then uh, Julie would be absolutely fire. So make sure you go look at her website as well. But last question here, Julie, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think that we ever actually get to that best version of ourselves. I think we just continue to go after that uh, North Star. And I think that it, also the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So this last question is for you personally. If there are three things that you could currently do or currently work on to get closer to the best version of Julie Wilkes that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Oh, gosh, great question. So I, I agree with you. I think that, um, so I'm finishing up my PhD right now. I've got about two months to go on my dissertation. And it's the, the, this last year has been the hardest and I've, I've had frustrations. And so I think it's, um, you know, 
the thing that I, I say when I encourage other people and I have had to put it into the proof of my own walk has been every day it's one foot in front of the other. And every day you, you, you keep believing in that dream. You keep believing. And so I, what I say is knowing that failures are not fatal and, and continuing to believe in the dream, even when you get a lot of roadblocks. And so for me, it's, it's that perseverance. It's continuing to persist. It's, it's been the, probably one of the, the messages of my life is persistence. And right now I'd say in my life, I've been, you know, um, pushed back on with, you know, I've had to reframe my dissertation three or four times, resubmit. And so I would say perseverance and persistence is the one of development. Um, two is I think um, I'm on a constant journey of falling in love with myself. Um, and I, and not in the ego sort of way, but in the way of just like that authentic, vulnerable, raw person who has lots of failures, lots of um, faults, but also lots of beautiful, um, incredible work and, and dreams and joys and hopes and all of the things and not just the good things and not just the pretty things and not just the things that you want to hear about or write about, but the things, the real things, falling in love with all of that. And so continuing to just like be in love with like in awe of that person that knows my entire journey. And, and wants to give that to the world. So I think that that's number two. And then I, I think three is just remembering that that gift, that gift. So my gift came from I'm a heart disease survivor. Um, my, I, my heart has stopped twice in my life. And so I know that um, I was given a second chance for a reason. And so always believing in the gifts of your life, um, never letting money, power, fame, progression, titles, or anything else be more important than your gift. And I think that that, for me, following that, that's my North Star. Mm, man, that's good. That's awesome. Julia, this was absolutely phenomenal today. I know that so many people have gotten fired up. I can tell how uh, you and Roy would just dominate a stage, even though you might not have the, the physical size that he does. I, you have the energy that he does, no doubt. It was an absolute blast today, both hearing your story, getting motivated from your story, and then hearing some of the practical tips on how we can prioritize our health and fitness and how we can really start to find our interest in health and fitness and take it to the next level. So it was so much fun today. I appreciate it. Y'all make sure you go follow her at Yoga on the Go. Make sure you check out her website, juliewilkes.com. But Julie, that's all we got today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Wow. I mean, I am in love with Julie Wilkes. That interview was phenomenal. I mean, jam-packed with motivation and with tools to improve both your career and your health and fitness. And remember, if you're overwhelmed about what you should eat, you want to feel more confident in your own skin, and you need a way to satisfy your sweet tooth in a healthy manner, then go get access to my brand new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle at nickcarrier.com for free. And remember, if your heart is pulling you in a different direction, listen to it, explore it. Because if we follow our heart, our passion, and our gift, God will conspire in our favor and open doors for us that we would never have seen ourselves. And remember, when you're thinking about taking what might look like a risk, imagine what the worst case scenario is. What are you actually going to lose? Because I find that oftentimes the worst case scenario might not be as bad as you think. And lastly, as Julie said, our life is simply an accumulation of our habits. So what habits can you begin today that when stacked on top of each other, day after day, week after week, and month after month, that will lead you to the life that you want to live? Because if you can follow your heart, take a real look at the worst case scenario, and build great habits, then you'll continue on the path closer and closer to your best you.